Hey everybody, it's Brandon Adams. Wanted to give you a quick note before today's show that obviously Monday is July 4th. That means it's a holiday. And because of that, we pre-recorded the broadcast so that some of our staff could enjoy some time with family and friends. But I know for the podcast, it can be a little confusing when the show shows up in your feed at a time that's different than you expect. So I want to give you a quick heads up on that. This was recorded on Thursday to air on Monday but it'll likely hit your feed prior to that, so wanted you to be aware. Also want you to be aware that this show was recorded just before we found out that USC and UCLA were leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten, so we're not talking about that here, but we did talk about that as part of Friday's show, so if you missed that, make sure you check it out. So hopefully all this makes sense. This show recorded on Thursday to air on Monday. Friday show is pretty much like normal and we'll be back in our normal format coming up again on Tuesday there too. And of course, if any big recruiting news has happened over the course of the weekend, very good chance that it did. We'll be sure to hit that when we're back in our live normal format again on Tuesday there as well. So bottom line is, hope you all have a great 4th of July weekend. Thank you so much for listening to Dog Nation Daily and we certainly hope you enjoyed today's show. Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adam. Two quick disclaimers off the top as we begin our show today. Disclaimer number one, this is a pre-recorded episode of our program in honor of the Independence Day holiday. Our staff taking some time to enjoy that holiday, but we still wanted to do a deliver show for you. So what you are watching here on this Monday was recorded on a Thursday. That means if some news happened, let's say, for instance, like a certain commit to the UGA program, if there was any kind of news like that over the course of the weekend, obviously we will look forward to addressing that with you on Tuesday and be excited about being live in our normal format to be able to do that. But here for today, this is a pre-recorded show in honor of the 4th of July. And truly, sincerely, I hope you are having some great fun today. And thank you so much for taking us with us. You're playing golf, you're at the pool, you're going fishing, you're at the beach, whatever you might be doing here on this 4th of July holiday. It is awesome to be along with you as you do that. Hopefully, we'll do right by you by delivering you a really good show there in the process. Here is disclaimer number two. I'm going to be pretty corny here for a second. Now, listen, I'm probably guilty of being corny more often than not anyway. Today, maybe just the latest example of that, maybe the most profound example of that, depending on what your perspective is. But one of the things people think of when they think about the 4th of July are fireworks. Many of you will have your own fireworks display. Like back when I was a kid, it seemed like, uh, fireworks were all kind of like sanctioned events put on by some sort of civic organization. And now I feel like there are a lot of pickup firework displays, you know, out and about and all around. And if you've got small children or dogs, that's not always the most enjoyable thing. But like some of the fireworks displays that have existed in my neighborhood the last few years are bigger than like what the American Legion used to do when I was a kid. Like it's just amazing how. Uh, much the technology has advanced for like at-home firework displays. Uh, But nonetheless, when you think about the 4th of July, that is a big part of what you think of. And then for like the next seven or two weeks later, uh, until everybody kind of burns out their firework display display and, and supply, you still sort of see kind of a lot of fireworks kind of going down there. So there's always kind of that connection between fireworks and the 4th of July. So in honor of that, in honor of that joy, uh, of that holiday and this Georgia football conversation taking place on this fireworks 4th of July holiday, I think it's interesting to look, you know, where Georgia might have some opportunity for fireworks here for the upcoming season. And I don't think there's any shortage of names really on both sides of the ball who could, you know, present plenty of highlights, pr- uh, present plenty of excitement. I don't think there's any denying there's some opportunity for a good number of Georgia players to maybe be able to do that for the upcoming season. But there are a couple of names here in particular that I want to highlight that I think are probably maybe more exciting than some others for some, you know, different reasons here. And name number one is a name, and I joked with Terrence Edwards about this on Dog Nation Daily on Thursday. We'll hear from Terrence in a moment here. That I feel like this offseason, we've actually done a pretty good job of keeping a promise that we made to ourselves and kind of made to you that we were not going to overhype uh, Eric Gilbert, the uh, Georgia tight end, uh, you know, back with the team, ready to play. We saw him at G Day, had a couple of touchdowns, really echoing and accentuating, kind of putting a punctuation mark on what was 
believed to be a really good spring for him. We saw that with our own eyes on G-Day. There was reason to believe coming off that that, man, this could be a really exciting player for Georgia for the upcoming season and really making good. And what a lot of us thought about Gilbert going back to his time at Marietta High School when he was really one of the more polished and more you know, uh, put-together pass catchers we probably ever seen. As good a looking athlete as you're ever going to find, I want him to come to Georgia the first time. He is now at Georgia now. And it's easy to get excited about what he might be able to do for you. And yet we said, hey, just given the fact that he has spent time away from football, that our buddy Terrence Edwards had told us, listen, an All-American season from Gilbert would just be back being on the field again. Let's take it slow with him. Kirby Smart has said some of those kind of same kind of things. And so to the extent that we're able to do that, that is what we've tried to do, which is take it a little bit slow in terms of not hyping Gilbert too much. But listen, it's hard not to notice that if you look at some of these early websites that do like some of the NFL draft stuff, that Gilbert, who will be draft eligible at the end of the season, he gets a lot of chatter related to some of this kind of stuff. I saw the other day that he got an NIL deal. Let me show you this on the screen. I have no idea what this company is or what this, I guess, particular beverage is here. Uh, but Eric Gilbert says, I got to have my C4 energy when I'm my body when I'm getting right for the season. And he goes on to kind of give you the read there on that. Apparently, he likes the cherry limeade flavor. I'm not familiar with the company, but uh, an example of the kind of guy who could be a breakout star. I was sort of thinking about this. It's actually kind of a smart move for certain companies to make. You know, it's like, if Gilbert has the kind of year he could have, obviously that's a social media account, be it Instagram or be it you know Twitter, or whatever else, that's going to grow in popularity. A lot more folks be checking in on that in the uh, weeks and months to come. And if you can get in on the ground floor and you know be his NIL type guy before the big breakout season occurs, it's almost like you know sort of you know you think about like football cards or nfts or something like that it's almost like you're kind of buying low on the front end for an asset that could very much go up in value if gilbert has the kind of year that he could have so kind of nice to see him cashing in on an nil basis and really kind of echoing you know some of the other stuff that's out there that you know folks seem to think that if you're looking for fireworks from george of the upcoming season eric gilbert could be a big source of all that if you heard thursday show uh the guy that has trained uh, eric gilbert been a little bit of a mentor in his life uh, terrence edwards i asked him directly i said hey terrence you know we have we've gone pretty slow on not hyping up gilbert too much but as you get towards the start of the season it's easy to be kind of excited about what he might be able to do for uga and terrence didn't deny listen there's a lot about gilbert's makeup including what he's seen since coming back to football that makes you think that hey a special year could be a possibility this was terrence edwards on thursday he's definitely a talented kid we can't get around his talent so it's understandable that you're going to get excited about the kid uh, i just saw him recently so i can let everyone know he's doing well Good. he's doing well. he's continuing to grow uh as a person um mentally physically uh school-wise he's doing well football-wise he's doing well he still has to continue to learn um, the, the playbook, continue to grow as, as a player on the field so they can trust him 100%. But you just can't get around how talented he is. And I, and I know, you know, Brock did, you know, I think it's the best tight end in college football. But Eric, talent-wise, is unmatched. And if he's right in every way in his life and then he's headed in that right direction, Eric is a problem. And we all can get excited about his talent, but I just never like to put too much on the young man uh, because I know him person. But if he's on the field. I mean, it's, his talent is just undeniable. I think the point we're building to here on this is is that there is at least a possibility that Gilbert has more than a good season. There's a chance he has a great season. There's a chance that he is the kind of guy that's actually really very well known and uh you know and and feared by many of opposing georgia fans teams that georgia has to play you love the phrase that gilbert uh, that edwards uses about gilbert there saying that he's a problem for opposing defenses and that is a very strong way of saying what i think we all have a sense of is that while there's a little bit of an unknown commodity here and coming back to football presents its challenges on the top end projection of what could be I mean, greatness is at least a possibility in this upcoming season. And while you try not to go too crazy with those kinds of things, you're at least reminded of this is a very special talent that Georgia may be about to unleash 
on the rest of the college football world, and there could be plenty of fireworks associated with that. Different guy, different reason to be mentioned in this conversation. Let me shift to Kendall Milton here. Now, what's interesting about Georgia running backs the upcoming year uh, is that different people might have different opinions about who the real big Georgia running back could be for the upcoming year. And by the way, you may could have said the same thing in 2021 when some folks would have gravitated towards Samir, others would have gravitated towards James Cook. And, you know, there's always going to be various playing personalities that just sort of seem to attract their own level of fandom. And for Georgia in the upcoming season at the running back spot, it's really no different. I know one of our Dog Nation folks put out a poll the other day of, you know, the Georgia running back most likely to lead the team in rushing, whatever it was. I think that Kenny McIntosh actually polled well in that with some Georgia fans. But I think that Kendall Milton is a very interesting name on the Georgia roster for the upcoming season. If you're thinking about those guys that could really provide some fireworks here this year, keeping with the theme of a guy in Gilbert's case who we've been waiting for it to be his turn, whether it be as a recruit when he initially chose LSU or last year when he transferred into UGA but ultimately had to step away from football for a while – Fans have had some patience required from them to kind of get to this point. Milton's situation is similar, although different. Milton hasn't been away from the team. He's dealt with some injuries. He's been banged up here a little bit here and there. He has been a part of a very crowded running back room. But this was a big-time prospect that chose Georgia out of high school. And a lot of Georgia fans thought, man, his moan at UGA is going to come. And maybe 2022 is the time when that happened. There are at least some folks outside the bubble of Dog Nation who are kind of saying the same sort of stuff. I thought that uh, it was interesting to see our buddy Barrett Salee from CBS Sports in a recent sort of like panel type column piece where a different uh, group of folks from CBS kind of weighed in on various thoughts. Uh, Barrett, in terms of looking at breakout stars in the SEC, mentioned Kendall Milton by name and actually laid out in very clear terms just how big of a year he thinks that Milton could be in line for there with UGA. So if you think about fireworks the upcoming season, you think about Milton on the basis of what Barrett Salee said at CBSSports.com just a few days ago. Barrett saying that the junior running back for the Bulldogs is in a perfect spot to become the SEC's best running back after sitting behind Zamir White and James Cook during his first two years in Athens. Now, isn't that interesting? Uh, projecting the possibility of being the best running back in the SEC. First of all, it's not too much of a leap to say that Georgia could have the league's best running back. That has frequently happened over the years. Last couple of years, Georgia's rushing totals haven't been quite as robust as they once were, but no doubt that's the level of potential that exists in this room. Barrett's leave from CBS Sports kind of pointing that out now once again on the theme of patience Gilbert's had to be patient with himself working his way back to football fans have been forced to be patient as that's happened you know Kendall Milton himself has kind of talked about his own level of patience patience with himself because he's been recovering from injury or he's been biding his time kind of waiting for that moment but as Kendall let us know this spring hey maybe that moment's finally here and maybe all that patience is going to pay off this was Kendall Milton going back to spring practice yeah, I feel like um, this program is one of the programs where you just, you know, you come in early, everybody comes in, they got uh, highly uh, recruited athletes, everybody has the stars and everything, but uh, when you come to a school like Georgia, you kind of know everybody's good, so you got to wait your turn, um, basically trust the process, trust the development that uh, Coach McGee uh, basically has in store for us, you know, he's had a good line of running back, so you know, it's been good being able to just like sit back and just keep learning from older backs like Zamir and um, and James. Just being able to just you know be a, a sponge and just soak in and just get more comfortable with the game. So you know, it's definitely um, made me very excited for what's in store this season and you know just ready to get on the field. As Kendall Milton said right there, he has waited his turn. He has trust the process, and he, like Eric Gilbert as well, could be some of the exciting Georgia playmakers who could provide plenty of fireworks for the dogs later on this fall. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia. Happy, not just Monday to you, but 4th of July. <laughs> a pretty good monday when your monday is the extension of a three-day weekend on the fourth of july i know a lot of you enjoying yourself here today and if you're doing some fun stuff thanks for taking us with you as you do all that whether it be on video facebook youtube twitter twitch dognation.com dognation app or normally on the radio at noon on Athens sports radio 960 the ref will look forward to being back there tomorrow 
uh, for that podcast platform on all the various platforms. This show actually probably popped up on the podcast feed before it appeared on video, which can be a little confusing from time to time. But nonetheless, whichever platform you enjoy listening or watching Dog Nation Daily on, man, you have my extreme gratitude for allowing us to be a part of your summer. And I am so thankful for our friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia for making it all possible. I'm also grateful for what they do for so many of the folks in our audience, which is equip your house with better windows and doors, more energy efficient windows and doors. The product just looks good. We had a chance to meet the Pella showroom the other day. I can tell you this, it feels good. You feel the substantial sturdy nature you know those windows you know they're keeping the energy where it's supposed to be right there on the inside of the house they are a recognized brand leader across the state of georgia there was a, a survey that was done a couple of years ago and folks in atlanta by an overwhelming margin said hey we recognize Pella window and door of georgia as the trusted brand the market leader in this so if you want that entry door you want those good looking uh, windows you want to just keep the energy inside your house where it's supposed to be increase the curb appeal and really just sort of you know let folks know how well you're taking care of your most important asset that's your home uh then reach out to Pella window and door of george and get that great upgrade that you need when it comes to your windows and doors let me give you a website and a phone number to use to get in contact and have that no pressure consultation with one of those pella experts it's pella of ga.com slash dog nation that's pella of ga.com slash dog nation or you can also give them a call 678-638-1496 that's 678-638-1496 to check out Pella window and door of georgia today now one thing that's going to be a little bit different for us here on this monday is normally we speak to john stinchcomb john's actually going to be here on tuesday uh for us that's tomorrow we'll have connor riley stopping by and we'll speak to connor here in uh just a little bit and that should be a lot of fun to be able to do before that though i want to go around the doghouse assisted today by our friends at AAA, and You know, a moment ago, I talked about uh, Eric Gilbert and kind of what Gilbert could do for Georgia this season. Now, as I said, tied in a little bit some of the running back to the running back conversation we just had a moment ago, too, where, okay, some people would say, well, maybe Gilbert is going to have a big breakout year. And some of the buzz you see growing around him would suggest that's a possibility. But other folks are going to say, hold on. I think it's going to be Darnell Washington at the tight end spot who has the breakout year. Some folks may say, I think it's going to be the incoming freshman Oscar Delp who has the breakout year. And then there's going to be another pocket of Georgia fans who says, well, actually, I think it's going to be all of them. I think that Georgia tight end between Brock Bowers, who may be the best player on the team regardless of position, or at least he's in the conversation to be that, um, you know, Darnell Washington now back healthy, you hope. Eric Gilbert now back playing football. You've seen that with your own eyes. Delp coming in with a little bit of steam behind him as a freshman. That Georgia, among its top pass catchers, maybe a lot of those guys are going to be tight ends. And it does lead to a pretty interesting question that we've kind of kicked around all offseason long, but now it's time to kind of drill down on this even more of, well, exactly how do you use all the tight end talent that you have and can you keep all of those guys happy the other day kirby smart was on sort of a you know maybe an odd podcast choice for him but he was on that crane and company podcast and he talked about a number of issues including the uh the issue with all the depth of tight end what you do to kind of keep everybody happy when there's only one football to go around this is what kirby smart said about that when he was with the uh, crane and company folks uh the other day here's kirby smart well, the first key is keeping them all healthy, right? Yeah. I mean, Darnell missed time last year with foot injury. Um, Arik's had some injuries in his past. Uh, Brock had a sh- shoulder surgery. So, you know, first thing you got to do to have depth, you got to have depth so that you can compete and have guys really fight for that playing time. But those three guys are really good. I think we think Oscar Delps um, a yeah, yeah, yeah. had a great spring practice. Uh, Ryland Goaty's coming off some injuries. And then Brett Seifer had his, breath, his best spring a young man that we signed a couple years ago. So we really like that room. What I really like is the competition within that room. Um, we're trying to find roles on special teams so they can go out and help there as well and steal some more snaps because we lost three linebackers that got drafted at inside backer. It's rare to find three inside backers that got drafted in the third round or better. They're gonna, we're losing a lot of special team snaps out of those guys. So those tight ends got to cover it up. But we'll get the ball to those guys and spread it around because I think Coach Munkin and Coach Hartley's staff they do a great job of getting the ball tight in. So I think that's a pretty honest assessment from Kirby Smart there. And this is kind of where I almost feel like that I'm going to end up being more of a wet blanket than I want to be, especially on a holiday Monday. I'd like to keep it uh, really upbeat and positive. But I do have to admit that I think there's a reality here that has to be confronted, that 
you can't have a great year from everybody in a position group like this when for the most part you only have room for two of these guys to win the field for most of the time now you may play the three tight end set some and obviously just as a way of giving a nod to, to fan service here they may play four tight ends in the field at the same time eventually that just may happen but for the most part george is going to be playing a lot of two tight end sets which means a really good player more than one really good player is going to be on the bench and you know we think about you know delp and and washington going along with gilbert and and uh bowers but as kirby smart said hey don't forget about brett scythe he says he has his best spring so far rylan Godie's a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries but we saw Godie in high school enough to know that he also has some raw materials that can be certainly used to great effect I think that is still a really talented player despite the fact that he's certainly been plagued with injury during his time there at UGA but given an opportunity given his moment I think that Ryland Godie could still be a really good player for UGA in fact he may get a chance to show that so beyond just the names we commonly mention there are guys like Scyther and, and Godie who are potentially really good in their own right there too but ultimately to me this is probably more about a very deep competition to see who the top two guys can be that emerge more so than it is about having a passing attack that it features almost more tight ends having successful seasons than wide receivers that seems to be a pretty good long shot uh you know just in in my opinion so that means if you want to go back to the discussion that started us off here today if Eric Gilbert is providing a lot of fireworks here for the upcoming season that probably means that there's less of those for Darnell Washington or if Darnell Washington is just so good that he can't be denied that probably means less of that for Eric Gilbert and if one of those two guys the the slightly more experienced player so certainly Darnell much more experienced uh, Gilbert slightly more experienced if it's Gilbert or Washington who has the breakout year and that probably puts a little bit of a governor on what Oscar Delp might be able to do as a true freshman. I think there's a little bit of a reality there that has to be confronted. Now, you still want all those great tight ends because you want the intense, most intense, the deepest competition possible, which Smart also just addressed there, so that the couple of tight ends that you really can effectively utilize – that they really are battle-tested by the time they get to the season because of who they've had to outperform during practice. But ultimately, this is probably one of those deals where, if honesty were to compel me to admit, there's probably only room for a couple of those guys to truly have great seasons. But given all the potential talent there, the couple that could emerge, or maybe the guy that does emerge on the opposite side of a Brock Bowers, man, how good of a tandem could that eventually be? And maybe room for a little bit more uh, there as well. But it's going to be an unprecedented level of talent seemingly competing as soon as fall practice begins. And that is around the doghouse. It's assisted today by our friends at AAA. And of course, when you're thinking about AAA, I've been traveling a lot here over the course of this weekend. A lot of you got travel plans there as well. Legendary roadside assistance from AAA is certainly a big part of everything you think about. But I also want you to think about insurance when it comes to our AAA friends there as well, including auto insurance and a great incentive that you can get to switch and save with your auto insurance with AAA here today, including the AAA drive discount, you can improve your driving habits and you can save money on your auto insurance with the free AAA mobile app feature. So if you call 833-718-2075, that's 833-718-2075, you can find a branch near you and you can find out about how your good driving habits can save you money on your auto insurance with the free AAA mobile app feature that comes as a part of the uh, AAA drive discount. So make sure you check that out. Let me also give you a quick disclaimer here. The coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, and subject to underwriting requirements and under insurance underwritten by member select insurance company and non-affiliated insurance companies. AAA drive participation is optional, subject to terms, conditions, availability, and AAA drive auto insurance discounts not available in all states. You can download the mobile app, the activation of the AAA drive, and the ability to record journeys are required to receive this discount. Discount savings may vary and are based on driving behavior. Discounts apply to select co- coverages only and do not apply to statutory assessment and fixed expense fees. Discounts may vary by state. Please refer to the terms and conditions for more information and to determine participation availability. So make sure you check all of that out here today and you can find out about the really cool things ongoing with the AAA Drive Discount Program. Uh, reach out to an agent near you and you can learn more about that. All right. So we have got a lot to do here today. I want to let uh, Connor Riley reacts to some of what we just heard. 
Normally, it's John Stinchcomb on a Monday. We'll catch up with him on a Tuesday. So for now, here on this 4th of July holiday, as you enjoy yourself, we'll do some work for you, giving you all you need to know about the latest UGA football news. It's Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window and Door of Georgia today. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Shocking breach of protocol to have Connor Riley here on a Monday, but uh, glad to have him doing that as he's actually sitting in as producer today as we uh, pre-record this one so folks can enjoy their holiday weekend. And, you know, Connor, it's not really my you know typical uh, operating procedure to be negative anyway, especially on a holiday Monday. The last thing I want to be accused of is being a wet blanket, but... When you talk about all the tight end depth that Georgia has, we played the clip of Kirby Smart from the Ukraine interview the other day where he discussed this too. I just don't think it's possible for all these guys to have their top end projection type C's, and that's probably just more than what's possible. I think you can have a couple of you know potentially great players emerge just because of how overall deep the talent is. But at a certain point, it is a competition where – success for somebody else is probably taking some food off somebody else's table would you agree with that yeah and I actually I'm not even sure you went far enough in sort of describing it you know if Darnell Washington or Rick Gilbert have productive years I think that's actually going to come at the expense of Brock Bowers and we sort of touched on this the other day uh, I don't think Brock Bowers is going to lead Georgia in receiving this year. I think that's probably going to be a guy like Karis Jackson, in part because there is so much competition there in that tight end room. You mentioned Oscar Delp. You mentioned Brett Scyther. We obviously touched on Gilbert and Washington there as well. Uh, you know, Brock Bowers is still going to be a sensational player and one of the better players, probably the best tight end in the country. But to expect him to improve off of what he did a season ago, that's a really big ask, considering it was the greatest tight end season in the history of Georgia football. It was arguably maybe the greatest receiving history in the program as well when you factor in the 13 touchdown catches to go along with, I believe, 856 yards. That's a a very clear top five all-time season by any pass catcher there. And when you add that depth in, you know, if you get a fully healthy Darnell Washington this year, you get a, a, a Reek Gilbert out there making plays for you. When you have those sorts of things happen, because again, as Kirby Smart has touched on, a big reason why Bowers put up the numbers he did a season ago was opportunity. Georgia was incredibly banged up a wide receiver and they were incredibly banged up at tight end. And so that sort of left Bowers as the only top shelf, so to speak, receiving option out there. I think if Kyrus Jackson is healthy, I think if Dominic Blaylock, Arian Smith are healthy, and then obviously Washington and Gilbert, you have more of those top-of-the-line difference makers that are going to sort of eat in to the stats of that tight end room. So, you know, the stats numbers might not be what they were a season ago for Bowers, but I think because of the overall strength in that tight end room, Georgia's going to be just fine when it comes to tight end this season. So let me ask you a couple questions about this. First of all, just to kind of drill down this more, if Bowers has less receiving yards than some people think he's going to have do you think that's because Georgia throws it to him less or because defenses are now more apt to want to take him away um given what we saw in the national championship game and the college football playoff win over Michigan I would say it is more Georgia is throwing it to him less than defenses taking him away so to speak so if Georgia is in a key uh third and five situation the sec championship against alabama and you've got to throw the ball to move the chains isn't it true that bowers though is still the guy you want to throw to in that situation probably but i could see Kyrus jackson developing that and we saw a season ago i think Kyrus in that 2020 year have some really strong chemistry with stetson bennett and and, and when georgia moved to jt daniels that season you did see Kyrus jackson's numbers take a dip there that year so uh, I would not discount the role that Kiaris Jackson in the longtime chemistry that he has with Stetson Bennett in those circumstances. Talked a little bit before about some growing buzz that seems to be building around Gilbert. That's another one of the Eric Gilbert. That's another one of those tight ends in this discussion. Some fun stuff around Kendall Milton there too. Connor, if we look at the idea of sort of like Fourth of July style fireworks once the season begins, and guys who could provide some highlights and some fun, and you know have their fan favorite profile grow a little more, I would say that that Gilbert and uh, and Milton are certainly names on that list. Who else do you think needs to be on that list in terms of you know guys who could be really fun, really exciting for fans to watch later on this fall? 
I, I think the first guy there has to be Jamon Dumas Johnson, just given all you lose at inside linebacker and what we have seen from him in very brief glimpses. His ability to make plays both as a pass rusher and dropping back into coverage I think is going to be something this Georgia defense really needs because while I, I do like what they have at the edge rusher position, that secondary takes a step back this year, in my opinion, with no Lewis Seen and no Darian Kendrick there. So I do have some questions and concerns there. On the offensive side of the ball, give me Arian Smith. This yeah. is a guy who I don't doubt can play, and we've seen him make big plays in games before. The question with him is just has he been able to stay healthy? He was able to focus solely on football this spring, did not run track for Georgia. And I think if he is able to have a fully healthy season or even if he's playing you know, 12, 13 games – I think his speed is such a difference maker that he's going to be able to, you know, he might not finish with, you know, more than 600 yards per se, but if he has two or three significant catches a game, 30 plus yards, he's going to end up changing the sort of geometry of this Georgia offense because it's going to force teams to spread the field more and pull guys away from the line of scrimmage. And that's going to open things up, not just for the Georgia running game, but the tight ends like Arik Gilbert, like Brock Bowers, and then guys who like to work that underneath route, Akiris Jackson and Dominic Blaylock. Let, let me mention something on both those guys here for a moment uh, like jdj is one of those guys or i guess they call him pop but you know that's one of those guys that i can so easily envision like reese davis on espn's college game day as anecdotally one day dropping in you think georgia lost all its defensive talent you know you haven't seen jamon dumas johnson yet you know this is one of those guys that is is really famous to the average georgia fan right now the kind of person that would stay pretty plugged into our content and this show here but to a, a person who cares about college ball living in memphis or living in new orleans or somewhere like that hey maybe they don't really know what the next linebacker in line for uga is but every indication i get assuming that he can stay healthy i'm not saying he's going to have an Kobe dean type yet that's not an easy thing to do but he's certainly not going to embarrass himself in filling the position that a guy like Kobe dean would have filled a year ago that that i don't see inside linebacker being a glaring weakness for uga obviously when you lose Tendall and 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 uh, uh quay walker and and, and Kobe dean it's hard to replace all of that but i get the impression that a jamon dumas johnson is going to acquaint himself to the casual fans maybe outside the uga fandom pretty quickly as soon as the season begins and i could very easily seeing him being a hot topic on espn because of the assumption that georgia must just not have that level of player waiting in the wings after all those guys went to the nfl after last season and I'll say this, uh, you know, obviously Jamon Dumas Johnson has become the biggest name, the one we've known the most so far, in part just because he was able to go through spring practice, whereas I think a guy like Shamel Munden mm-hmm. is a guy who, if he's able to step on the field, Tresman Marshall, if he's able to stay healthy, they can be productive players. But I'm going to go even one step further here. Of all the freshmen that Georgia signed and brought in in this class, I think the one that's going to have the best year, the one that's going to turn the most heads, is actually going to be another guy in that inside linebacker room in Jalen Walker. Yeah, I came fun. away really impressed with what he did in the spring and how early on Georgia was able to move him around that defense and make plays. Uh, you know, you don't want to throw the Nakobe Dean comparison on him right away, but I, I think when Nakobe came in as a freshman in 2019, he pretty quickly picked up that defense and found a role as a third-down linebacker in his first year on campus. I think Jalen Walker is absolutely someone who could do the same. And, and, you know, and sort of speaking on that inside linebacker room, while, yes, there's not exactly the proven experience, and that is the biggest thing that Georgia's going to have to replace there, there is talent and there is options in that room that I think give you a real sense of, okay, you know, maybe against Oregon on the road at South Carolina, those are going to be tough environments. But come that stretch run in November when they're against Tennessee at Mississippi State and at Kentucky – I think those linebackers are going to be in a really good spot and have this Georgia defense looking at times like the defense we saw a season ago. On Thursday, I talked to Terrence Edwards here on our show about competing with your teammates. That It's kind of the thing about football that sometimes we don't like to talk about, but in a time when you're obviously everybody wants their touches everybody wants their time on the field and while you cheer for your teammates to do well there is a sense in which this time of year you've got to try to best them so that you get an opportunity to come your way that's going to go to somebody else if you're not at your overall top level of performance and you mentioned arian smith I, I, i kind of think about that in relationship to him that one way or another we know that Smith's going to get his chance to come on the field and be a little bit of a home run hitter for Georgia, swing for the fences, and maybe come up with, like you said, a couple of you know big, deep catches that can change the tone and tenor of a game. 
but he's also because of his speed potentially the most exciting receiver in this Georgia receiver room right now not necessarily the best there are other cases to be made for other guys you know being the the on paper the best guy right now but certainly Arian is potentially the most exciting which would mean that for a lot of fans they want to find a way to figure out how to get him on the field even more how would you handicap Smith's opportunity to kind of leapfrog the line here a little bit and beat out somebody during practice if he can stay healthy to give him a chance to be on the field even more so that blazing speed that he brings the table could become more of an asset more of a weapon for the Georgia offense yeah so I think you touched there on the competition angle and the thing with Arian Smith is there's no one in college football that has his kind of speed much less on the Georgia team and so when you have that sort of separator, it, it does jump the line might not be the word, the phrase that I use there, but it's going to be something that can't be really replicated by anyone on the Georgia team. And every time he steps on the field, and we've already seen this, everyone is aware of when Arian Smith, where he is when he steps on the field. And so because he has such that singularly unique gift, you know, sort of like George Pickens going up and getting it on the outside a season ago, that is going to make him a bit more of a, 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 an option that is able to be highlighted, whereas, you know, comparatively, and this goes to your competition angle, I do think there's some overlap and some skill set there between, say, Kiaris Jackson and Dominic Blaylock. They can do a lot of the same things. And, and so that's where I think the competition angle, you might see them sort of eat into one another, whereas with Smith, because his speed is so groundbreakingly different from everyone else on this team, it puts him in sort of a class of his own where I think if he's if he's able to be healthy, he's going to be a contributor just because of his natural gifts. I want to finish with this here just for a moment. Um, I continue to be of the belief that as we kind of fin- kind of head towards the final quarter pole of the summer before the season begins, that I think that George is just in a really good place for this upcoming season. And in terms of the kind of chatter they're generating right now, I do view this team to be a little undersold, a little underrated in terms of what their actual chances are of being right there among the national elite once again. I'm intentionally avoiding saying, repeating as national champion because I'm truly not ready to make that prediction as of yet. I don't mind telling you, I believe they're going to go 12-0 in the regular season and they're going to be in December exactly where they're supposed to be, competing with Alabama for a shot at you know winning the national championship again. But I'm not quite ready to make that final prediction as of yet. But in terms of what's being said about them right now, and I'm not saying this from a, I'm mad because people are biased against Georgia. I just find this more observational that I think that Georgia on paper to start a season actually looks about as good as it has under Kirby Smart. You've got a couple of defensive names commonly mentioned near the front end of the first round of the next year's NFL draft. You've got a guy in Bowers who I think is one of the dynamic playmakers that's existed thus far in the Smart era. You are not among the most experienced teams in the country, but you bring back your leading receiver, your leading sack guy, your starting quarterback. You know, you're not completely green across the board either. What do you think of where George is rated right now? clearly slotted behind Ohio State and the Alabama in the eyes of uh, of most and just one of those teams that's generated a lot less conversation this offseason than other programs around the country what do you think of kind of the way in which George is being rated and evaluated here towards the end of the offseason yeah so it's one of those disconnects between I think the national media and say you look at Las Vegas where Georgia has the number two odds right now in, in terms of championship odds for the season but it, it seems like they're because, and we know the reason why, it's because Ohio State is offense first, they bring back C.J. Stroud, whereas Georgia is a defensive first program, and they lost five players of the first round of the NFL draft last year, and you expect some level of aggression there on the defensive side of the ball. But I, you just laid out all the reasons I think you can be confident in what this team is going to show. It, it is an experienced team on the offensive side of the ball that I think has room to statistically get better, and I do think they will do that this coming season. And defensively, there is enough high-end talent still in that room. Jalen Carter, Keely Ringo, Chris Smith is a guy who is going to get all SEC votes at SEC Media Days next month. You have guys that are uh, uh, enough of a known quantity, especially in big games. Again, remember, Chris Smith had interceptions in games against Clemson and Alabama. So there's enough there to give me belief that by the end of this season, provided they are able to stay healthy, especially in the secondary, they're going to be in a spot where they have one of the best defenses. I believe they're going to have one of the best offenses, and that's going to put you in contention to be one of the best teams in the country. And 
I would say that Ohio State's defense is just as questionable as Georgia's, if not more, because of the coaching yeah. turnover and all the change that they have had there, along with the fact that their defense just wasn't very good last year. So, uh, you know, and part of it, too, that I think we have to acknowledge is the fact that Alabama is in the path, and we assume that Georgia and Alabama are going to meet in the SEC championship game, whereas if Georgia is, say, in the ACC or in the Big 12, and they are the biggest dog in their proverbial kennel, I do think that there is a, a more likely, you know, you're more likely to see them be taken seriously as a team that can repeat as a national champion because they don't have the prospect of having to play and beat Alabama twice. And I guess, you know, that takes me back to the final point that I'll make here is if Georgia is undervalued, then, I mean, maybe there is a degree to which I sort of wonder if Alabama is being slightly oversold right now. And I know this kind of comes across as being like, you know, trash talk or whatever else. And listen, I understand why Alabama is going to be projected to be where it is, preseason number one, everything else. Like Will Anderson Jr. is one of the great players I've seen come through the SEC in, in recent years. You'll never hear me say a bad word about him. And obviously Bryce Young is the established Heisman Trophy winning quarterback there as well. But Connor, I think there are some very fair questions to ask uh, about the Alabama program right now, including whether this new crop of transfer wide receivers, which includes Jermaine Burton, can produce what Alabama seemingly has always had in recent years, which is a great receiver. I'm not taking a shot at Jermaine. I'm not taking a, you know, a, a jab at him here. But, you know, Jermaine has played a pretty good bit, and he's been good, not great. I think the, the guy from Louisville, I think, looks like a pretty good receiver. I, I don't know that – I think he's got greatness in him, and maybe you'd have already showed it if he did. Um, you know, I don't know that there's a Jamison Williams on this year's Alabama team, and if there isn't, you know, then how much does Alabama look like the Crimson Tide teams have looked in recent years? Well, in fairness, this time a year ago, we weren't saying what we say now about Jamison Williams. He was not this known slam dunk, no doubt about it quality. Mm-hmm. If he was, he's probably still at Ohio State, even with all the talent they have there in their wide receiver room. So I, I do think Alabama knows how to develop players specifically at that wide receiver position. But it is interesting to me, at least with Alabama, that they've leaned so heavily on the transfer portal to shore up that wide receiver room. They go out, they bring in Jameer Gibbs, who's a very talented player and is probably by the end of the year going to be an all-SEC running back. They bring in multiple transfers there on the offensive line, a unit that was just flat out not good a season ago. And so you have that. The defense there, yes, you like what you have in guys like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner as edge rushers, and there's enough experience there in the secondary and really the back seven to like what you have there. But this Alabama team, you know, I I feel like in part because of simply just Bryce Young and Will Anderson, who very well could be the two best players in college football, is getting a benefit of the doubt that based on the entire results we saw of the 2021 season, I'm not sure they fully deserve. You know, they obviously lose the game at Texas A&M. They need a, a, a miraculous comeback to beat Auburn there at the end, an Auburn team that I think you and I both agree mm-hmm. not that great. And then they go and they lose to Georgia. I don't want to say convincing fashion, but I think Georgia came away from that game pretty clearly feeling it was the better team there. Now, obviously, they played the game of their lives in that first SEC championship game, but that Alabama team last year was not as perfect as I think some people are remembering it to be, and I do think that they're getting a benefit of the doubt, in large part because when you're Alabama and you were coached by Nick Saban, you have those championships and you have that pedigree there to sort of say, hey, we know how to figure this out, even with some of the potential holes we have on the roster. So let's finish this way then. This is slightly unfair because Alabama probably plays a tougher schedule, but if I give you the choice of in a fourth quarter fight for your life type situation where you are no better than up by one score like you're in like you're in a very competitive situation late in the fourth quarter if i give you the choice of neither of these two teams face that scenario during the season one of these teams do and if that's the case tell me which one or probably they both do at some point in time find themselves fighting in a very close game late you know at some point in time this year what would be your choice on that for Georgia and Alabama? Do they both face a close game? Do they neither face a close game? Or is one more likely to face it than the other? I think both of them do. I think I could see Texas, I could see Texas A&M definitely doing it against Alabama and with Georgia. I have that game against Mississippi State on, on November 12th circled because it comes at a time in the schedule where you're playing the ultra-fast Tennessee team the week before. Mm-hmm. You've got a very physical Kentucky team the next yeah. week. On the road at Mississippi State, a, a unique offense that's going to want to spread you out and play physical football on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I know you and I are not exactly the biggest fans of Mike Leach, but for a one-game scenario, yep. that is a tricky, especially at the time of the year that it happens, where 
Georgia's just going to, in my opinion right now, I know Mississippi State, you know, they only may go 8-4, and 7-5, and five, something along the lines of that in the regular mm-hmm. season. To me, because of their style and when that falls, that's a game where you just get out of there with a win and celebrate the next week against, a, I think, lesser Kentucky team. Connor, that's really interesting stuff. Thanks for being here today. Also uh, producing the show here on this 4th of July Monday, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again uh, sometime in the very near future. Yep, BA, as always, was a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So Connor brings up a really good point, and this is to me always the thing that starts to matter this time of year, that sometimes it's not who you play, it's sort of when you play them. Like, for most college football schedules, you know, we sort of know the names on these schedules many years in advance, but it's sometimes it's about how those tough games get clustered that makes the games themselves seem tougher it's one of the reasons why the nfl schedule announcement is pretty interesting i mean i mean most people know you know 14 of the 16 or i guess it's now 17 but you know the huge number of the names of the opponents that most nfl teams play but it's the order in which you play them that sometimes gets interesting and for georgia there's definitely something to be said about this there as well that that stretch for georgia going from Florida, which I don't think is a huge test for UGA, but these are consecutive Saturdays. October 29th against Florida, November 5th against Tennessee, then back-to-back road games at Mississippi State and at Kentucky. That's October 29th through uh, November the 19th. Four consecutive Saturdays of what could be really interesting games. The, the, The Florida game probably not quite as tough there on that, but Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Kentucky, especially those last two because they're both road games, that could be the the stretch of the season for Georgia, which really determines is this a dominant team coasting its way into a 12-0 campaign with a legitimate shot winning the national championship, or are some of the blemishes that we think we know about right now, lack of experience in all phases of the secondary, the uh, unsettled situation in terms of how dynamic this passing attack can be, does some of that stuff start to show up a little bit right there? That may be one of those issues where that's the case. Connor, there's a chance your mic still, still may be on. Uh, that is one of those things uh, worth paying attention to. It's not too soon to start thinking about that November cluster for UGA, a stretch of pretty tough games. But for now, you're kicked back, you're relaxed, you're enjoying your 4th of July holiday, and some of you may very well be on your own Royal Caribbean vacation right now. If that be the case... My advice to you would be not worry about tough stretches of November games for Georgia when the weather gets cold and maybe it's a little bit rainy and up in Lexington it could even be a little snowy, maybe even. We'll worry about that sometime in the near future. Uh, probably won't snow in Lexington in November, but it's at least going to be colder then than it is now. Uh, but whatever you're doing, hopefully you're sunshine and warm and by a pool or, as I said before, on the deck of one of these great Royal Caribbean cruise ships. Man, start thinking about your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation here coming up, whether you're booking travel for some point in time during 2022 or you're thinking about 2023. I've already got a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation booked here for relatively early in 2023 hopefully celebrating another great season from the dogs and you can have your own there too our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you out with this and here's why we recommend a travel agent when it comes to a royal caribbean cruise vacation there are just a lot of options there are a lot of different amenities depending on which royal caribbean cruise ship you choose you know you have the three and the four night variety maybe you want a bahamas itinerary a lot of those include obviously perfect day coco Cay. you want a maybe a larger oasis class style ship and take like a seven day type cruise or hey maybe for you it makes sense to go out of port canaveral which is very close to orlando that's maybe a short drive maybe you like a ship that goes out of the port of miami or or, or port everglades there in fort lauderdale they're just a lot of different choices the port you leave out of the ship you go on the places that you visit while you're there our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you select the royal caribbean cruise vacation that's perfect for you so check them out online tcava.com that is tcava.com or give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 so i'm going to do kind of a simple thing for our sec through here today and obviously we know the month of july is going to be pretty busy for uga in a lot of ways and some of that's going to be related to recruiting in fact by the time we get back to live show again tomorrow we may very well have a commitment to have discussed that took place over the weekend have a chance to discuss that right there we know there are going to be plenty more you know commitment style discussions to address for uga in the time to come but i also think about what else is likely to go on on the other side of the independence day holiday and the next big thing in terms of the league on the field are the sec media days which actually this year take place in july and will really only be a couple of weeks away you know by the time this show airs and 
I dare say this might be, and this is not an easy thing to say, given all the stuff that's gone on over the years, but I dare say this might be the most interesting SEC media days ever. Now, I say this because of all the various issues that are facing all of these SEC coaches. Some of this stuff is kind of run of the mill. Hey, Kirby Smart repeating his national champion, finally getting over the hump. He'll get a lot of those questions. And for those of us who are Georgia fans, that's interesting. You'll have guys like Shane Beamer and Josh Heupel and Mark Stoops just facing the typical questions that come with building a program. Uh, Lane Kiffin always brings his own, you know, kind of variety to all of this as a guy that kind of tries to stir the pot with everybody else. That's kind of typical business as usual. Mike Leach saying something quirky there, maybe there as well. But man, for so many of these other coaches, it is way different than that. This is the kind of thing where there is like legit drama surrounding you know, Brian Harson at Auburn. Remember this? Going back a couple of months ago, he had to kind of fight to save his job. There was an, a, you know, a, a coup that was tried to kind of seemingly be established against him. He fought back against that, seems to have won that for now. But how long is that going to be true? Like there is real drama surrounding a Brian Harson appearance at this year's SEC media days. And within the last few days, you've had the same kind of thing kind of pop up for Billy Napier there at Florida. I had to write the open letter the other day. Recruiting's in shambles. Of course, he can't mention recruits by name. But the the difficulty of getting a program started, how much of that is Napier going to face at SEC Media Days? How candid does he allow himself to be about all of that? Uh, another first-year coach in this league is Brian Kelly. Uh, Brian Kelly had the weird stuff with the fake accent when he first got the job. Uh, you know, being kind of an outsider to the South, trying to make himself at home at Louisiana. How well is that going? I think there are some pretty interesting questions he could face. And for a guy who seems to lead with ego a lot, handling some of those questions well, there's a chance he won't. And I think that Brian Kelly's appearance at SEC Media Days could be pretty interesting, you know, just given uh, the fact that a figure like this who's been so well-known in college football outside the SEC now being in the league, I think that makes for something pretty interesting. Obviously, the aftermath of the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher feud is still there. Those two guys are going to probably be pretty careful about what they say. But that won't stop certain media types from trying to push them to say even more. And don't forget, it was at Media Days a year ago that we first found out in shocking fashion that Texas and Oklahoma were joining this league. You know, what does A&M, what does Arkansas, what do some of those teams have to say about that? I think the level of question facing this league from a big picture standpoint and the individual coaches, the individual programs from a more small or detail standpoint I think I think this leads to an SEC media days. It's going to be about as fun as any we've ever had. And by the time the Fourth of July is done, we'll essentially be there on the doorstep of that, which means the season is pretty close to being here there as well. And we'll make that your uh, SEC through cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and also getting ready to wrap up and sign off on a Fourth of July holiday here today. And for our golden shoe, a little bit of a blast in the past. Do you remember back in 2019 on the 4th of July? By the way, the world was a very different place in the summer of 2019. We've been through a lot since then. But do you remember uh, Georgia Tech and Jeff Collins? They had this weird video they shared of their players seemingly honoring the 4th of July in a very odd way. A lot of Georgia fans had fun with that at the time, including David Boss Andrews on social media. As a little bit of a blast from the past here on a uh, pre-recorded edition of our show. Uh, can we uh, show here Boss Andrews having some fun with tech? Yes, yeah, so you got the tech guys. They're wearing like the American flag style Speedos and clothes there. Uh, the football account from tech says that about to attack the 4th of July with extreme exaggerated passion. David Andrews says it looks like it's going to be another six and seven year. Things haven't gotten much better since then for the Yellow Jackets and a nice blast from the past as a part of a golden shoe here today. By the way, lousy stinking Gators always tricky if i did the math correct on this but i believe gator hater updater long time since they've won a national championship about four thousand nine hundred and twenty five days here on this monday i'm pretty sure that's right i think there's a chance my gator hater countdown number might be wrong but nonetheless back in jacksonville 117 days from right now being told this is correct the math on this is always tricky for me 117 days from right now dogs beating up on the gators once again sure enough hope you all have a great holiday monday we'll see you back here tomorrow dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of georgia